grab your Bibles. Now we're going to go to an Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, it might have been a while since you opened to that one. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, right? I hope. First, second, did I skip something? First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. <clears throat> Learned that in Sunday school. Okay, second Chronicles, it's in the Old Testament. And uh, there's also a, a Christian rap, rap group. This just dates me, right? Um, Christian rap group is one of the first Christian rap groups that there ever was called PID, Preachers in Disguise. And uh, I still hear that rap, Preachers in Disguise. I still, I still hear them. Um, they, they had this rap about the books of the Bible that were oh so fresh, rapping about God's righteousness. I mean, it was, it was dope. Yeah. <clears throat> And if you just look it up, YouTube, PID, I don't know if they're on Spotify, but YouTube, they're on there. Preachers in disguise. Woo! Uh, books of the Bible. Second Chronicles. What is Second Chronicles? Second Chronicles are the Chronicles. It's, a, it's, a, it's an anointed uh, uh, history book, if you will. Of, um, there was a, a time in, in God's people's lives where there, was, there were kings. They were like, we want a king. Everyone else has a king. We want a king. It's like... Okay, I don't know if that's the smartest thing, but all right, you can have yourself a king. And so God gave them some kings. And we'll talk more about this in a minute, but um, they, they actually split uh, eventually into two different tribes. And this is, Second Chronicles is mostly the tribe of Judah. I'll explain to you what that means. And it follows from uh, uh, Solomon, I believe it is, all the way through the divided kingdom. And so, um, so we're going we're gonna to look at, at this, Second Chronicles chapter 28 through verse 32. We're going to be there probably the whole month. Let me start by sharing an illustration. Ready for this? On the northeast side of Indianapolis, there is a God-forsaken place. <clears throat> you can also go to the same place in Schaumburg, Illinois. It's called Ikea. I say it's God-forsaken, not so much because I think it's owned by demons, but um, it, I think Ikea has caused more men especially to lose their salvation than <laughs> most other stores as normal. I, I, I told my wife years ago, I, I looked at her, I said, I, I dream of the day when one day we make enough money to where we can buy furniture already put together. Wouldn't that be amazing? And, and then, and now we're, maybe we're in that spot where we could, we still purposefully buy furniture we have to put together. And, uh, and uh, now, don't get me wrong. If, you're, if you work for Ikea or you own it, perhaps you're watching today, I'm sure that would happen. Um, I, I, I don't have that many issues with Ikea. But, but I, the, 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 here's the thing. When you buy something from Ikea, you better be prepared. You got to put that thing together. It's like Christmas morning when your kids open up all the presents. What? You got to be prepared to put those things together. And it might take a while. And here's the key. Here's the key. You got to put them together in order. Because if you get those things out of order from Ikea, if you, if you put the doohickey where the whatchamacallit was supposed to go, and, and you didn't put the whatchamacallit in until you got the doohickey, and you got it all messed up, you're going to sit on that thing and it's going to collapse, right? All it's going to, if you get that toy and, and you don't put it together in order, you know, as the instructions would say, then what's going to happen is things are going to go bad. That's where I want to talk to you about in the month of January. 
In fact, I preached a message somewhat like this. The Lord dropped a prophetic word in my heart to share at the end of 2020. It was about October, November of 2020. And I shared a message on this passage. This past fall, I felt like the Lord stirred. I didn't feel, I know, the Lord stirred my heart to to bring us back to this passage and dive a little deeper into it. Because God wants to speak to us out of this passage. And it's a passage about two different kings. Here's what I want you to get, though, before we even get there. It's important that we do things in order. God has an order for your life. God has a way that he has created you to serve him and to to live for him. And that the first number one priority in your life, you say, I just don't know what my, uh, uh, why I'm here. Why am I even here on earth? What am I here to accomplish? Let me just tell you, beyond everything and anything else you accomplish, there's one main thing for sure. Your number one priority is this. It's to bring worship and glory to God. In everything you do, our number one priority is worship. It's worship. You say, well, does that mean I shouldn't have a job? I should just sit around and singing songs to God? No, through your job, work is worship to God. The way you raise your family, your marriage, your kids, it's worship to the Lord. The way you apply yourself in your studies, students, the way you apply yourself and you're preparing your heart for wherever God may take you one day, that's worship unto God. Everything you do ought to be done as worship unto God. It's our number one priority. And when we get that out of whack, Jack, we're going to have problems. When you, when you take and you begin to worship anything else other than the one true almighty God, when you begin to, to, um, uh, to put anything else in the place that God was, has created you to put him in, that's when God, there's no blessing. There's no, God can't move in your life like he desires to move in your life. And so when we, when we look here at, in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, we, we, enter, we, we see this, this dude named Ahaz. He's a king, King Ahaz. Um, king Ahaz uh, um, had a son. His name was Hezekiah. So today and for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about Ahaz and Hezekiah, Ahaz and Hezi. Um, but most of you, um, uh, you, you, again, you might be aware that um, they ask, God's people ask for a king. And so somewhere down the line, I'll show you where in a second, Ahaz became king. But let's jump in to 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 1. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open because we're going to just fly through this. Ahaz reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Stop for just a second. David wasn't physically really, I mean, this was, it was his ancestor. It wasn't like his direct father, but unlike David, who was his ancestor, who was one of the first kings, he, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. David did, Ahaz didn't. That's important to know. Verse two, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and also made cast idols for worshiping the Baals. Now, if you could go to that first slide of mine, Aaron, that would be great. I wanna help explain something to you real quick about, um, so I've created a nice little, nice little chart here. You ready for this? And there's more. Just hold on. There's another one. Woo. Okay. So when, when, uh, when, when God's people ask for a king, go back and look in the Bible and you'll see one of the first kings was who? It was King Saul. 
And then um, after Saul came David, and then after David came David's son Solomon, un- under whom the temple was built. And then they split up into two tribes. And you had the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Israel. Now, there were several king, 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 and then came along Ahaz. So Ahaz wasn't right after Solomon. I just want you to know, just, just put this in your thinker as we study this passage of Scripture. Ahaz was of the tribe of Judah. Israel um, was, uh, uh, excuse me, Pekah, who we're going to talk about in a second, was of the tribe of, of Israel at the same time. Now, everything else on there just kind of um, uh, don't even focus on as much right now. But, but I, th- I wanted you to see... Um, in fact, if you go to that next slide, you'll, you'll see a little more explanation of this. It, how, how do I say this without coming across? Uh, it wasn't that God loved one tribe better than the other. Well, I'm just telling you, as you study Scripture, it just seems like the Lord um, was, was moving and doing more through, this, through the tribe of Judah than Israel in this couple hundred years. In fact, the Davidic uh, line, um, the, the line of David, uh, Jesus, the redemptive line, all came through Judah. Why is that important? Well, it's important because of what we're getting ready or what, what we read. Look at it, verse 2 again. Just keep that up on the screen. Let, let them look in their Bibles. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. So Ahaz, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, those who weren't necessarily of the lineage, of the redemptive line. I mean, those that were thought of as being maybe less spiritual or less uh, uh, followers of God. You know, if you think about the Civil War in the United States, you remember that? Well, you weren't there, I realize that. But as you studied it, you watched the movies maybe, um, there was the North and the South. Well, here, it's not the exact same, but there was the North Israel, and there was the south, Judah. Judah encapsulated Jerusalem in that area. So there's the north and the south kingdoms. There's Israel and there's Judah. And Israel was thought of as being a little, maybe the less spiritual of the two. And Judah was the the main line where eventually our Savior Jesus would come out of. And as you're studying this, what does it say about Ahaz? Ahaz was a king that acted a lot like those kings of Israel. The ones that were less godly, less pursuing the ways and the desires of Almighty God. So as we, as we, as we continue to read, then well, what, what did this evil look like? Well, look, okay, now you can go back to verse 3. Verse 3, he burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his sons in the fire. Hello? He sacrificed his sons? How, how messed up, full of the devil... Do you need to be to sacrifice your own kids? Following in detestable ways of the nations of the Lord had driven out before the Israelites. He offered sacrifices and burned incense at the high places on the hilltops and under every spreading tree. Megan and I were talking about this passage several months ago even. And that, that, that line right there under every, it says green tree up there, but every spreading tree is another version's way of saying it. Um, what does that mean? Well, that's important because of this. Um, when, you, when you think about where they were in this day, uh, if, if they wanted to have, dare we say, what, siesta, I mean, you think about just a time of just relaxation to get out from underneath the sun, to just get away from things, they would often go underneath a tree and that'd be a meeting place. 
Even better, if there's a well nearby and you get yourself a drink of water and you sit down under the tree and you're talking and you're interacting with those in your community underneath the shade of a tree, it it was a really a rest spot. And so think about places where you might go to just rest and maybe connect with people and just have a siesta, a time just to relax, whatever. In those places even, you couldn't go anywhere where they weren't burning incense to another god, where they weren't worshiping another god. That is King Ahaz. Now look in verse 5. Therefore the Lord his God handed him over to the king of Aram. The Arameans defeated him and took many of his people as prisoners and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hands of the king of Israel, who inflicted heavy casualties on him. Stop for a second. Um, no, let's go. Verse 6. Verse 6. In one day, Pekah, son of Ramalia, killed 120,000 soldiers in Judah because Judah had forsaken the Lord, the God of their fathers. Now, can you bring up that second slide? So this is where the tribe of Israel comes in at Pekah. So you want to talk about a bad day? If someone outside of your own, you know, outside they come and attack you, that's a bad day. A really bad day is when people that are of your own, I mean, you know, yeah, they were two tribes, but they were still, I mean, they were God's people, you know. Judah and Israel were God's children, God's people. And, and Pekah led those Israelites to attack Judah. That's a bad day. But God allowed it. In fact, I'm not going to read it, but as you read on over the next few verses, God, God says, I allowed this. In fact, there's a prophet, Prophet Oded. I, wrote, I put that in there. Prophet Oded, he stood up to, to um, uh, Pika and said, hey, Pika, take a Pika at this. I just thought of that right now. Listen here, Pika. God allowed you. To attack. In fact, they killed, I think it was 120,000 soldiers. 120,000. And then what did they do? The Bible says they took wives and boys and girls and children. And they took a bunch of plunder, it says. They took a bunch of plunder. So Pekah and Israel, that tribe, they attacked Judah. And they took all this stuff. And God said, listen, I allowed you to attack them I allowed, almost as, as punishment because they are, they are not worshiping me. They're not doing what's right. And so I allowed that. But for some reason, they went a little bit too far. And so God was like, mm-mm, now you went a little bit too far. So he spoke to the prophet Oded, and prophet Oded said, you better replace all that stuff. You better take and let go of all that stuff. And so Pekah, he listened. That's why there's a red word on the screen. Because that red word to me is so interesting. How ironic. The irony. The side of Judah. I'm going to stop just for a second. As I preach this, I want you to begin to let the Holy Spirit connect the dots into our current age. Into what's currently happening in our society. Those, okay, now I'm going to move on now. Those who were thought of as being the less spiritual Israel tribe. They were more receptive to the rebuke of God than the more spiritual side of Judah. How ironic. Pekah, it says, and the less spiritual tribe, okay, so they returned those things. And they even, if anyone was hurt or whatever, they put them on donkeys so they could get back over to Judah and they took care of them. Hmm. I'm just going to let the Holy Spirit connect the dots for a second. As we move on here in verse 16. So we're in chapter 28. We're in verse 16. At that time, 
King Ahaz, sent to the king of Assyria for help. Stop. Do you remember, there's Ahaz, Judah, and, and Pekah had just attacked with, with Israel, that tribe, and, it, and then God had rebuked them, and so they gave all that stuff back. And, and so you think of all the people that Ahaz could reach out to, maybe, I don't know, his own, his own people. Hey, I know we're a different tribe, but can you help us out? We're getting attacked on every side right now. Can you help, help us fortify? Who does he talk to? He talks to the ungodly of Assyria. Look at verse 17. The Edomites had again come and attacked Judah and carried away prisoners. While the Philistines had raided towns in the foothills in the Negev of Judah, they captured and occupied both Shemesh, Ejelon, and Gedaroth, as well as Soko, Timnah, and Gizmo, the gremlin, no, Gimzo, with their surrounding villages. Verse 19. The Lord had humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he had promoted wickedness in Judah and had been most unfaithful to the Lord. Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. Here's, here's a, good, a good word um, for some of us today. If you find yourself in trouble, don't reach out to the ungodly for help. Reach out to the godly. Reach out to your local church. Reach out to other believers. Reach out to those that you know are full of faith. Reach out to those that you know have the, have the they might not have all the answers, but they have the one who does have all the answers flowing through their veins, right? And we sing songs about Jesus and, 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 and reach out to people who you know can, can help you in those situations. And, and so here, here he's reaching out to the king of Assyria, the ungodly, and the king of Assyria proved to be a curse rather than a blessing for despite receiving a generous bribe from Ahaz, let's look at it, verse 21, Ahaz took some of the things at the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and from the princess and presented them to the king of Assyria, but that did not help. Stop for a second. Ahaz went into, he took things that were meant for the worship of Almighty God. He took, took things in that, in, in that temple. He took things in, that were meant to be used as worship of God and he used out of the temple and he used them to try to bribe the ungodly king. You want to talk about a hard-hearted man. Ahaz was that. Ahaz. He didn't allow worship to happen. Let's read on. What else happened? In this time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. He offered sacrifices not to the one true God, but the, um, to the God of Damascus who had defeated him. For he thought, since the gods of the king of Aram have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they were his downfall and the downfall of all of Israel. Just sum this up for us, Scott, can you? I'm kind of tired of talking about this King Ahaz. He continued to sacrifice to other gods. He continued to worship something other than the one true God. He was mixed up in idolatry. Idolatry is blinding, a fact highlighting in every move of King Ahaz. The more he was plagued with trouble, the worse he became spiritually. He became more unfaithful to God. And here's the key. He didn't understand that each catastrophe he suffered was punishment from the hand of his own God as a result of his disobedience, and then ultimately as a slap in the face of God. Look at verse 24. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and took them away. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple 
And instead, he set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah, he built high places to burn sacrifices to other gods and provoked the one true God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, to anger. The other events of the reign and all of this from beginning to end are written in the book of the king of Judah and Israel. Verse 27, Ahaz rested with his fathers, was buried in the city of Jerusalem, but he was not placed in the tombs of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah, his son, succeeded him as king. He wasn't even respected in his death. He wasn't respected in his life, and he wasn't respected in his death. Ahaz was an ungodly man. He closed the temple. He closed the worship of the one true God. And instead, he set up idols all over their community. Let's keep going, can we? All right. Verse 29. Hezekiah. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was <coughs> excuse me, Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. We're going to talk about that more in a second. But just note this. Hezekiah, like his ancestor David, he, he, was, he was right before the Lord. He loved the Lord. He served the Lord. He put the Lord first. Keep going. Verse 4. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east side. He's getting ready to confront these guys. He said, listen to me, Levites. Consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. Let me just stop for a second. He's confronting the idea of Ahaz. He's confronting his father. He's confronting the the priests and those that were in leadership. As we read about in chapter 28, he's saying, something's going to change here. We've got to change if we want the blessing of God on Judah. In essence, he's declaring, we're not going to live like that. In verse 8, therefore the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from me. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. Here's the plan. King Hezekiah comes into kingship. He's now in charge. Ahaz is no more. So what is Hezekiah? Hezekiah's like, we're going to make Judah great again. We're going to... He's selling red hats. And he's like, hey, we're, we're going to... You know what? We're going to work on infrastructure. We've got to have better roads. We've got to be able to get from town to town. And our camels, their feet are hurting. We've got, we got to get better roads. We've got to get better sewage system in our towns and our villages. And, and we've, got to, we've got to connect the Internet. We've got to get Internet to every little village. No, maybe not the Internet. But, I mean, he's, he's just, uh, is that what he's focusing on? No, 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 no. What is the first thing King Hezekiah did? You've got to go back to verse 3. The very first thing in the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors to the temple of the Lord and repaired them. Everything I've said so far was to get to that point. How important is worship? How important is it that you are a worshiper? 
Well, Scott, you got to understand, I, I grew up in a different kind of a church. I didn't grow up in church, so the whole idea of expressing words, I'm not just talking the first half hour of our service. I'm talking like with your life. Oh, that we're going to talk about that in about three weeks. We're gonna, I'm going to give a whole Sunday morning on corporate worship and what I believe God's vision is for that, the biblical vision. But today, just your heart, your life, are you living a life of worship where everything I do is done? God, I want to do this to your glory. What's the first thing Hezekiah did? He, he got his priorities straight, right? He got his priorities in line and said, as a tribe, we've got to get back to worship of Almighty God. Open up the gates. This is what the Lord is saying to us for 2022. For your life, for us as a church, I believe for us as a nation, as believers, we must open up the gates of worship. We must open up the doors. I mean, when you, when you talk about Ahaz shutting down the doors, uh, closing the doors, it, it sounds more like the governor of California during COVID, right? I mean, uh, what, what we need is, is a church that says, we're open. We're open to the move of the Spirit. We're open to the move of God. We're open to whatever you have. We will worship you. A church of worshipers. A, a church where people are, are just everything they do, I live to bring worship and glory to God. In verse 11, my sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen. He's chosen you to stand before him and serve. I believe God has chosen you in this season, in this time, to be leaders in this community to be leaders in this nation, in this state, to be leaders in your family, to be worshipers. Let's keep going in verse uh, 15. Verse 15. Now let me say something real quick. Hezekiah was 25 when he took over his kingship. Uh, I'm not trying to make this a bigger deal than what it, what it is. All I'm saying is it just, it just popped in my mind as I was preparing this message. I am no Hezekiah. I'm not admitting, saying, I'm a Hezekiah. But I'm just telling you, I was 25 when the Lord put this church on my heart. And uh, I didn't have all the answers. I didn't, I didn't know. I'd never started a church before. Megan and I had never started a church before. But when we started a church, we knew this, is that we wanted to be a house of prayer and a house of worship. And my concern is this, is that the dream that God, the vision that God put in my heart as a 25-year-old, just like uh, uh, what we see in Hezekiah, we're, we're waning a little bit. That's my concern. My concern is that, that we're, we're too focused on ourselves, our own stuff, our own things, and not the worship of Almighty God. When we come here together on a Sunday morning for corporate worship, just in that short time, it ought, it ought to be a, just a, an expression of everything that God's been doing through our hearts all week. All week, we have a heart of worship. When we come together with one another, this place ought to, the roof ought to come off this place. We shouldn't, there shouldn't be a thought of uh, another song. Are you kidding me? Is that guy ever going to sit down? There shouldn't be a thought of, is there, is, is, how much longer am I going to do? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I, I tell you, the church I envisioned and I dreamed and I still dream of is a church that's like, guys, guys, stop. We, we got to get to the word. 
Guys, 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 we gotta let the kids get to kids' church. Guys, guys, we have really important announcements. <laughs> Maybe on the scale of things, they're not the most important, but uh, that, that where, where it's just like, okay, let's just stay in this attitude of worship, but we're gonna turn to the word now, we're gonna preach. Like where, where I have to almost, whoever's up here in leadership has to say, I know you could worship all morning. I know that you could just keep going and going and going with singing songs of praise to God. I know that's within your heart. That's awesome. That's great. But we gotta transit, we gotta, we gotta do some of that. My dream would be every single week as we gather together on a Sunday morning, I believe that's God's dream for this church. This is a house of worship. This church was started to be a house of worship, different even than other churches. Worship and singing at, at the start of our service isn't just something we go through and, and, and just we got to get through so that we can do all the others. It's a place where we enter into the presence of God and he enters into our world and he comes and heals and restores. And I just dream in the middle of worship, people coming forward and getting saved. I dream of in the middle of worship, people being healed and delivered. I, I, I dream of, of in the middle of worship, just miracles happening and restoration happening. I believe that's what the Lord wants to do in this house. Will we let him? Will we let him? Will we let him? Will we we open the doors? Will we open the gates of our heart and say, God, I don't even know exactly what this means. I want to be a worshiper. And God, if if that's what it takes, if there's anything in the way, if there's any other idols like Ahaz, are there any areas like Ahaz where, where I, I've, I've, I've wandered, I've, I've allowed other things to take my attention throughout the week? If, there's, if it's even the pleasure of self, uh, of I just want to have fun in life, I just want to, and that drives me more than I want to bring glory to Almighty God. I want to worship you with my life. It starts, you look in, in chapter 29, verse 15. When they had assembled their brothers and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord. That word purify, that purify, purify. Let's let God purify us. Let's let God just purify us of sin, of yuck. Some of us maybe dabbled in sin in 2021. You dabbled in things that you just, and you know they're wrong. You know they're sinful. And God has, is a merciful, loving Savior. He's given you time and time and time again to repent And I'm just telling you, this is your warning. It's time to repent and allow God to come and purify your heart and purify your life so that you can be the worshiper he desires you to be. And if not, hear me, what's done in the darkness, uh, sin in darkness will be brought to light. Time is short. Deal with your sin. Allow God to purify your heart. Verse 16, the priest went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out to the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. They began the consecration on the first day of the first month. And by the eighth day of the month, they reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days, they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the 16th day of the first month. They purified that temple. Things had been taken out of there and even offered to other other ungodly people. The doors had been shut. It was dirty. It was a mess. They went in. They cleansed it. They purified it. Do you know that now, do you know 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe it says, who's the temple of the Holy Ghost? Who's the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are. And so let's pray over the next few weeks. God, would you purify my heart? Purify my life. Purify me of all. I know I'm saved. 
But there's some things that I know that I've left unrepented. There's some things that I know I'm messing up. I know they're wrong. God, purify. Take away the desire for that. The temptation. God, I know that you won't allow me to be tempted without giving me a way out. So God, help me to push through that temptation. And then you look at, um, jump all the way down to verse 28, will you? They had purified the temple, called everyone to worship. In verse 28, it says, The whole assembly bowed in worship. While the singers sang and the trumpeters played, all this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was completed. And when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone else present with him knelt down and worshiped. You know, here's a king, the one who's probably used to honor being bestowed upon him. But this king bowed down and he worshiped God. Talk about humility. God, give us that kind of humility. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seers. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed their heads and worshiped. Jump down to verse 35, will you? 35. There were burnt offerings in abundance together with the fat of the fellowship offering, the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the temple of the Lord was established. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. Worship was established when God's people, the line of Judah, the redemptive line, got back to where they needed to be. God began to move. Now, I don't have time to go into the exacts of what happened. That's going to be next week. Next week, we're going we're to talk about chapter 31. Go ahead and read ahead. Start studying yourself. Chapter 30, chapter 31, even into 32. What, what did God do? I'll just give you one word real short. Revival! I mean, outright revival happened. A move of God. Why? Because worship became central. Worship was brought back to the center of their lives. The worship of God, giving praise to God. And, and I just want to encourage you, because some of you, you look at what's happening in our nation, and our culture, and you're like, God, can you do anything now? Is it just too late for America? Is it too late for us? I'll tell you, I find great encouragement in verse 36. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. Can God? Yeah, God can. Can God use us as a church? Can God use every Bible-believing, preaching church believer in this community to see lives changed, to see a nation turned around? Absolutely. Let's, let's be that church. Let's be that worshiping church. Let's allow this idea of worship being reestablished in our day. You know, it says the celebration in chapter 30, um, they celebrated Passover. And I'll talk about this more next week. But in chapter 30, uh, Judah and, and King Hezekiah was like, I know we're two tribes, but hey, Israel, why don't you, why don't you guys come join us for Passover celebration? Let's, let's, let's just worship Passover. Let's get through Passover together. Let's celebrate this. In fact, in verse 23 of chapter 30, it says, The whole assembly then agreed to celebrate the festival seven more days. And for another seven days, they celebrated joyfully. I mean, there was a plan to have Passover. And then they said, let's keep going. Let's don't stop. Let's just keep going. Because why? God's presence was there. And it all came back to a very important decision for Hezekiah to open up the gates and say, I'm here, we are here 
to bring worship and glory to God. And if we do nothing else, this will be our priority. This will be our number one. What's that look like for you? How are you doing in there? Are you connecting the dots here? If worship is out of whack in your life, it'll affect every area of your life. If worship is out of whack in your church, it'll affect every area of your life. Who is it or what is it that we are worshiping? In your life, who is it or what is it that you're worshiping? Is it the one true God? Is he number one in your life? There is nothing wrong with trying to have a good career. There's nothing wrong with trying to have a good job, trying to have uh, uh, um, stuff, whatever. But if stuff has you, if your pursuit of money if your pursuit of what's in your 401k is more important than your pursuit of worshiping God, something is out of order. You went to Ikea, you bought it, and you're trying to put this piece first when you got to do this one in order for everything else to work out. Listen, some of us here, we, we need to do some realignment today. I'd like the worship team to come. We need to do some realignment over the next few weeks. In fact, would you stand with me all over this place? We need to realign ourselves to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Now, I want to share just one more thing that I thought was interesting. I, I, I caught this as my regular ocean time. Never quite saw it this way, but it was interesting, I, I think. Hezekiah, uh, it says that Hezekiah was uh, a man who followed God, right? He, he was like his ancestor David. He followed God. He did what God. Do you know? Um, I was reading in First, excuse me, Second Samuel chapter six, verse one. It says, "David again brought together out of Israel chosen men, thirty thousand in all. He and all his men set out from Bala of Judah to bring up from there the Ark of God. The Ark of God. Quick, just thought this is where God's presence was. <laughs> and David was like, well, it says." Um, uh, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. Can you do that? Now, King David was told, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. Because God's presence that, that was in that ark was, was there at, at, at Obed-Edom's place. He was being blessed. And, and David was like, well, Wait a minute. I want our people to be blessed. We've got to bring the ark we got to bring the presence of God. The very first one to, to really say, we got to bring worship to the centerpiece of our nation, of our people, was King David. King David brought it. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Oh, I want to see the Blu-ray of this one. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, David was like, hold on, we got to worship. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephah, danced before the Lord with all his might while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. What's your point? David was the one who, who, who brought the worship of God, the glory of God to be the centerpiece of their nation. And other kings then pushed it away, shut the doors, not so Hezekiah. Who are you gonna be like? Who am I going to be like? 
Am I going to be like King Ahaz who, who says, no, i got other pursuits, i got other things that are more important than me living out my faith and me being a worshiper of God. Or are we going to be a church? Are we going to be a people who open up the door? Just King Hezekiah was like his ancestor David. What's in your heart today? Are you a worshiper? Let that worshiper arise in you. Close your eyes. Will you all across this room? Let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray. Come, speak to our hearts right now. God, show us what is it that we need to change, we need to do differently in this place because of this message today. Can you just begin to pray? Can you just ask, say, Holy Spirit, just between you and the Lord right now, to say, Holy Spirit, what is it I need to do differently because of this message today? Would you just ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything... We, talk, we read in here about how they set up incense and, and, and idols in places for worship of, of a God other than the one true God. Is there any place in my life where I have idols? Idols of fame. I want everybody to know who I am. Idols of, of stuff. I make idols of stuff. Maybe that's your challenge. You just, you're never satisfied You're just always wanting something more, a nicer this, a nicer that. And that pursuit is idolatry. It doesn't have to be, but it is turned into idolatry for you. That is more important than the worship of Almighty God. Maybe it's your kids. I mean, that's a great thing. It's a good thing. Pour into your kids. But as as pleasing your kids, wanting your kids to be happy, is that turned into some kind of an idol in your life? Everyone, right now, just ask, Holy Spirit, speak to me right now. Are there any idols in my life that I need to ask you to purify me of? And God, I just pray right now, would you just raise up worshipers out of this church, in this church? Come on, church, would you pray? Just, uh, we want to be worshipers. We want to be worshipers, not just for a half an hour on a Sunday morning, but people who are, whose whole lives are set. Their number one priority is I want to be a worshiper. I want to worship God with all I do. And and if there's things that I'm involved in, that, wow, I'd be a little uncomfortable if Jesus came along with me. Boy, I'd be a little comfortable. Well, the fact of the matter is Jesus is there with you because now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if you're convicted of things right now, just ask the Lord to give you strength to overcome those things, to stand up to sin and say, no, I don't want to give in to that anymore. Purify me, Lord. Purify me. I want to be a, a worshiper. God, I just pray right now, this place will continue to be a house of worship. And in the midst of our corporate gatherings, as we worship, God, your presence will become so real in this place to us. You would just make your presence so known among us. God, we pray that the supernatural will just begin to happen in the midst of our worship. God, I just pray the gifts of the Holy Spirit would move in a greater way. I pray that miracles would happen. Come on, church, would you pray with me? I pray miracles would happen in the midst of our worship. I pray people would come to the altars and humble themselves before you in the midst of our worship. Because just because, like Isaiah, they couldn't stand. Isaiah chapter 6. I couldn't stand in his presence. I, I, I thought, woe is me. Woe is me. God, people who are coming to our church and they're just like, I can't even stand in the presence of God. i got to bow like the wise men who brought Jesus, baby Jesus gifts. They're like, here's, here's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But they, 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 they had to take it beyond that. 
they bowed down before Jesus who was the the King of Kings, the Messiah. Lord, I pray that you would just turn this place into a house of worship, worship for your glory. God, when we come together corporately, it would just be an overflow of what's already happening in our hearts every day of the week. God, that our hearts would be so about, I just want to worship you, God. I just want to glorify you, God. Hallelujah.